When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friends of the Rock Me cast. For this episode, we're interviewing Jason Zaborski, owner of the Ely Outfitting Company in Ely, Minnesota. In 2004, Jason Zaborski was a 29-year-old lawyer who decided to follow his passion and head up to the north woods of Minnesota to be a boundary water guide. And so we're going to take you on the journey that he made, the decisions he made, and the life he now lives as the owner of a very successful outfitting company up in the Northwoods. And I'm hopeful that you will take something from Jason's story and apply it to your own story as you may confront various decisions in your own life. We had a lot of fun in this interview. I learned a lot from Jason. And I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did in putting it together. Up next, Jason Zaborski on the Rock Me Cast. Welcome to the Rockney Cast. I am here with Jason Zaborski. How you doing, Jason? Great. Uh, nice chatting with you, Rockney. Yeah, thank you so much. Friends of the Rockney Cast, I think you're going to find this episode really fascinating. Uh, Jason is a Luther College graduate, 1996, was a, a political science major, and he uh, grew up in northern Lynn County on a farm, sort of a typical Iowa kid. And he also uh, went with me to law school um, from 1997 to 2000 and started a career as a fairly conventional civil litigation lawyer. Jason, would you, would you characterize your uh, civil litigation experience? You're a conventional lawyer at the time, correct? Sure. A uh, small boutique civil litigation law firm in Cedar Rapids working, you know, seven days a week and um, uh, practicing very, very mainstream law. Yep. And he made a decision when he was, you know, 29 or 30 years old that I think is going to resonate with a lot of you, especially those of us who are in middle age. I think once you hit the middle of your life, uh, you start asking questions such as the following. Am I doing what I'm put on this earth to do? Am I following my passion? And if I'm not, how do I possibly connect my passion with my purpose? And I remember when, when Jason made that decision in 2004, um, obviously I'm sure it was a difficult decision for him, but he made a decision to leave the practice of law and go up to a little tiny town in northern Minnesota called Ely, Minnesota, and basically sort of be a Northwoods guy. W- would that be a fair way to characterize what you uh, were doing at the time? It is kind of a non-traditional path, right? Exactly. And so I thought it'd be really helpful for you, Luther, college graduates, you UI College of Law graduates, you lawyers that maybe, Jason, I think you had mentioned seven days a week. Uh, Law can be a very high wattage profession, and I think a lot of professions can be. Um, And so, but you made a decision uh, to uh, follow your heart and go to the Northwoods. And and really, I I met with you a couple weeks ago, and I was really struck. Um, I was sort of doing my own little midlife wandering. My, my sister has a cabin in northern Minnesota. And I thought, what the heck? I'm going to give Jason a call because, Jason, your story had always struck me as just sort of inspiring um, and, and just interesting, the fact that you did it. 
And then after we got together on the icy rocks of Grand Marais, uh, I was really just struck by how interesting your story is because listeners, uh, to make a long story short, uh, Jason is doing really well. He followed his passion and his purpose, and now he's just doing really well. He has this, uh, this uh, outfitting business. It's called Ely Outfitter, correct? Ely Outfitting Company, yep. Yeah, Ely Outfitting Company, and he's using words like capital improvement projects and really loving what he's doing. And <laughs> he's this really progressive, and he's a business guy, which I, I always thought those went together really well. Um, and so it's really nice to see someone living out those progressive values, but also sort of intersecting with the business community. So I think Friends of the Rocky Cast, you're going to find this to be a very interesting episode. Not only is it an interesting uh, personal story, but hopefully you can learn through through Jason's story um, a little bit about your own story, because I think that's really what, you know, I, I told Jason in starting this Rockney cast, I didn't really know what the theme um, that I wanted to have, which is what you're not supposed to do with a, with a podcast. You're supposed to have a theme. Who's it for? But it really occurred to me what I'm interested in as a person are interesting stories and people that who are living out uh, the script that was given to them by their creator. And I think Jason's doing a great job of doing that. So that's been a lot of me talking. I want to set the scene and, and take the audience, Jason, to 2004. Conventional Jason Zaborski decides he wants to make a different decision in his life. Um, how, what were you thinking at that time when you made the decision to go north and to uh, leave Cedar Rapids, Iowa, to follow your passion up to the Northwoods? How do you get there? Well, um, you know, it wasn't just a... Uh, kind of an instantaneous thing. I think you need to um, turn the clock back quite a ways. And uh, <clears throat> way back when I was a uh, kind of a little kid, I read a book called My Side of the Mountain. And it was about a kid who uh, runs away to the, the North Woods. And oh, Jason, <laughs> I love it. I love and, it. And lives in a tree. Um, and hunts and fishes and has this, this tame, tame raptor that, um, that he befriends. And, and, uh, um, it is just interesting that, that it's one of those books that I read as, I don't know, maybe eight years old or something that sort of stuck with me. Um, and if you're in Iowa, um, North means Minnesota, um, and to Minnesotans, north means uh, up by the Canadian border and northeastern Minnesota, which is where the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness is. And when I was young and even uh, up to the time uh, I went to Luther, I'd, I'd heard of this, this really enchanting sounding place um, called the Boundary Waters. And, you know, I'd heard about um, all the lakes and all the fish and all the, you know, the forests and pine trees and just a place that seemed um, a little bit like, like paradise for me. I was a very outdoorsy kid. Um, I grew up on a, an Iowa river called the Wapsipinigan River. And so I was, you know, paddling around and rowing a boat and fishing and just being kind of an outdoorsy kid. Had you been up there as a child or was that only at Luther College when you were able actually to connect to the Boundary Waters? So uh, uh, I was a sort of a, a late bloomer when it comes to visiting the Boundary Waters for the first time. Um, and uh, I was actually, it was af actually after college 
But Luther, in my experience there, had everything to do with it because when I was a sophomore, I attended a summer job fair in the student union. And I met a fella named Jim Wienenden who was interviewing for summer guide staff positions at Wilderness Canoe Base, which is um, located sort of at the end of the Gunflint Trail, deep in the Boundary Waters. And I thought, after talking to him, that that sounded like just about the best job in the entire world. Yeah. And I really wanted to do it. (laughs) Well, what I love about that is that so then... You go to the, and we'll also expand in this because, you know, you and I are a big passionate believer in the liberal arts. And the question you always get with a liberal arts degree is you scrunch your nose and you take a big bite out of a lemon and then you say, what are you going to do with a liberal arts degree? And that's a fair question. But all of my friends who are true liberal arts guys and gals, they're all doing really interesting things. And so this is, immersed and hatched at a liberal arts institution at Luther College. Did you go up there during the summer or, or what actually happened once you um, learned about this place? I sure wanted to, but I couldn't that summer. Um, and I couldn't the summer after that. And I couldn't the summer after that. But, Rockney, the summer after that, I could. And so four years later, I called up uh, uh, Jim, who I'd met at the student union, and said, you probably don't remember me, but four years ago, I met you at Luther, and I would sure like to be a part of what you've got going on any way I can. And he was very nice, and he said, that's great. And then he said, but unfortunately, we filled all of our trail staff positions. And so I was like, oh, bummer. Uh, And there was a pause, and then he said, but a couple of folks who used to work here now run a place down the trail a little ways. And I think that they're still looking for guide staff for this summer. So he gave me their contact info um, and hung up the phone with him, called them. And sure enough, it was a good connection. It was a little place called Adventurous Christians. Uh, and it, it, uh, uh, it was a summer, guy, summer job guiding primarily high school youth groups in the boundary waters for week-long canoe trips and it was a summer that really changed my life and uh kind of brought into focus how much i cared about this part of the world that is the boundary waters was that between then your senior year and your first year of law school or where does that come timeline right so uh, i took a gap year between luther and law school and it was the summer immediately before law school. And that was actually (laughs) um, the the guide training canoe trip that May was the very first time I'd ever been in, into the boundary waters. Wow. And uh, uh, it was amazing. And so it's before law school and we're, we're both lawyers. You're a recovering lawyer and I'm still a practicing lawyer. And law is a great career. Like I, I think that, Law can be a great career for people. Um, I don't think a lot of times people are really mindful about why they go in the first place. So when I get questions from people about the practice of law, my response always is it can be a great fit, just like life, if you have alignment between what you're good at and what you end up doing. Um, but it can also be very conventional and constricting. So, so take me through some of the emotions you had having had this 
you know, life of freedom and, and channeling the, the great writer Sigurd Olson there during the summer and then putting on your slacks and your collared shirt and going to law school. Did, did you feel a little bit like you'd put on some shells after you'd had this sort of uh, mind blowing experience during the summer? Well, by the end of that summer, I didn't want to leave. I, I just wanted to stay put in Northeastern Minnesota and not go to grad school um, it, because I was that enchanted with the place. But I was pretty, uh, pretty thoughtful about it. I was like, well, I'm young and I just went to a really cool new place and it's sort of like vacation and everybody likes vacation and nobody wants vacation and, and I'm going to be responsible and I'm going to go to law school. Um, and I'm going to be happy, I thought, with visiting the Boundary Waters for a week in the spring and a week in the fall doing personal trips. And uh, eventually decided that, that uh, you know, that wasn't enough. That I, yeah. um, uh, I, I wasn't supposed to be where I was at and I was supposed to be up in northeastern Minnesota. And um, but but the, can I like yeah. shout from the highest mountaintops, Jason, because I think that I think life is a balance and and it is, you know, I'll give a cautionary tale, for example, and I won't mention I don't even know who these people are, but a friend of ours shared a tale once of someone who had always had a dream to go to England and they sold all of their stuff. And they were living their dream and they left all their friends and then they got to England and they were like, oh, we don't like England. And they, they were there for like two weeks, which I think is sometimes people sort of think of the other and it doesn't necessarily solve all the problems. So friends of the Rockney cast, we are not saying this second sell everything and go join Jason up in the mountains or in the monastery or whatever. Um, but I do think. Uh, so that's the external view. And law is very conventional. It's what you're supposed to do. Um, but we're really taught as a culture to suppress what we're meant to do, right? And I think we know what we're meant to do. Um, and it's just sort of, it's what naturally emanates up from us. It's what makes us play the guitar. It's what makes us cook. It, it, it's our national. You, you had that voice that you knew you had to do. Is, am I getting that right? Is that, is that what led you? You couldn't suppress that voice any longer? Well, you know, I, I spent four years practicing law. And so I felt like I had a really good sense of what that was about, that I, I, um, I had enough experience and, and sort of depth to know uh, if, if uh, what that meant to me. And um, what happened really is I looked forward uh, in my life and thought, um, would I be happy if I am still in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, practicing law 10 years in the future? And it wasn't even a close call. Um, the answer was, was no, I, I, I wouldn't be happy with myself to, to be there geographically. And I knew I was drawn north, and that's what inspired me to quit my job and sell my house and move to Ely, Minnesota, uh, but not to be a wilderness guide and outfitter. My plan was to, to use my chosen profession and the skills I learned in, in law school and to practice law in Minnesota, because that's how I'd been supporting myself um, for a career. And so I started studying for the bar exam 
<clears throat> up in Ely, uh, renting a little tiny house for 300 bucks a month, including heat and rent and, and electric. It was a, it was a steal. And, uh, and I started just, uh, uh, going out and exploring, but I would actually, <laughs> I had this little disc band and I had Minnesota uh, bar review CDs that I would put in this disc band and then I would put my headphones on and I'd head out on cross country skis and I'd be skiing through the boundary waters and, and kind of enjoying this amazing place. Um, but really just, just picking Ely because I didn't know that much about it. But early on oh, while I was studying for the bar, the folks I'd worked for off the gunfund trail said, Jason, you're in Ely. There's this fellow named Paul Shirky over there who has a dog sledding operation. And they guide people on dog sled trips. And they said, Jason, you'd love it. So wow. I picked up the phone and I called Paul Shirky and introduced myself. And, uh, and unbeknownst to me, but, but I want to interrupt you yeah. before you get to the unbeknownst part. I can just, in my own mind's eye, when you pulled into Ely and when you started doing the hiking, I can, you must have been giddy. Like you had probably thought so long about following your passion, but it was probably difficult, right? I mean, you probably got some pushback. We didn't talk in, in Grand Marais about your parents. I'm sure you got some pushback. Um, are you really doing the right thing? Because I think as a culture, we're really almost just ingrained to suppress as impractical following our passion, right? So you had this like pushback probably, but then you finally did it. Did you feel a little giddy that first, that first hike when you're like, oh my God, I get to live here. How cool is that? You know, it, 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 um, you know, it felt, it felt like a lot of transition. <laughs> That's what I remember. Yeah. I, I felt, uh, suddenly after being really, really busy for a long yeah. time, because you know how busy law school is yeah, and you know how busy the practice of law is. And then, so after seven years between the two of those, I was suddenly at a place where I didn't have a schedule. Like I, I, I could, I could pick up a, a book and just read it through. Uh, and so it, it, um, it just all felt, you know, very different. And, you know, when I was making the decision um, and telling people about it, what I found is that the people who knew me the best were the least surprised and the most supportive and the people who knew me the least were the most shocked and sort of disconcerted about it. And, yeah. and so that felt good um, to, to be reinforced by the people I, I knew well and cared about. Uh, Jason, you know what? I didn't know you as well. But, and I still like we know each other, but like we're like part of the Luther family. Right. So we know each other. But, you know, again, I don't. I don't call you up weekly. Um, but I, I remember when you did that and I was like, you go, man. I, I mean, I was just remember thinking that you were really doing that. And so the other thing I'm really good at doing is interrupting people, even my people that I interview. <laughs> um, I had interrupted you with the giddiness question when you were talking about, okay, so you're going to do the dog sled. Um, 
that sort of operation. So what, what happened there in terms of what you ended up doing that wasn't the practice? Yeah. So, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, unbeknownst to me when I was, uh, calling up Paul at the dog sledders, um, he was a short one full-time full season dog sled guide because one of his longtime guides had just shattered his femur on the staff training trip. And so there I was <laughs> knocking at his door and I had an okay outdoors resume. You know, I guided in the boundary waters and I had, uh, I also guided rafting trips actually for a summer out West um, and had a, a fair amount of, of solid experience, but I'd never seen a dog sled in person. Uh, I'd never been on a dog sled. I didn't really know much about it. Um, but, uh, but it turned out he had a spot for me. And I started work the day after I first talked to him, uh, basically scooping poop. And uh, I think everybody thought it was pretty novel to have a lawyer uh, <laughs> <laughs> scooping poop in the dog yard. And uh, uh, I ended up becoming completely and totally enamored with dog sledding and guiding people on wilderness winter trips for for a long time from, from then on. And it led me all throughout, you know, the boundary waters and superior national forest. It took me out to the Rocky mountains and dog sledding out there. It took me dog sledding to uh, the tundra train up to getting dropped off in the tundra and dog sledding to Hudson Bay uh, and Churchill. And it took me to dog sledding in the high Arctic to, to a place called uh, Svalbard um, dog sledding across that island archipelago and i was just just enamored by the ability to be outdoors and yeah i was actually making a little bit of money and getting paid to be outdoors on cross-country skis dog sledding with people it was pretty amazing so I, I think there's one thing that jumps out at me is I think so often, um, you know, I had talked about on a much smaller journey, like my journey to try to start a podcast. It's a balance between planning and jumping. You, you know, I think a lot of people, especially if you have family, you can't jump. You have other obligations, but you can't plan out everything either. Uh, so I think like you didn't know when you went there that you were going to become a dog sledding guy, but you knew you wanted to be outdoors. You knew you wanted to be in the Northwoods. And so uh, it, it, it seems like there was a lot of spontaneity and serendipity that resulted from the choice to sort of jump into Northeast Minnesota. Is it, was that, is that your sort of sense? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like it was a thoughtful decision and one that, that, that made sense to me. Um, it, I don't know that spontaneous is the right word to describe it. I think it, uh, I think I was really thoughtful about it, but, um, and put quite a bit of time, time into it. And I, I guess that's my point is that you didn't jump. Um, you had a degree of planning, but you couldn't plan everything. Like you didn't know you were going to be a dog sled guy when you were in Cedar Rapids, right? <laughs> Definitely so not. Like, yeah. So it, it's a balance. And, and I don't think like, and again, for our listeners, if you're thinking about, you know, I, I think a lot of times people think like, oh, I'll call out my sister. I can call out my sister. But she's always like, I want to be a poet. And I'm like, well, you, you don't, you don't write any poetry, Susie. So <laughs> you better start <laughs> writing first before you do that. And I, and I think in terms of these big life changes, you can't really do them until you start mapping out the steps, but you can't figure out everything either. I mean, there has to be some degree of like, Hey, you can plant only so much, but at some point you have to, 
you had to discharge from Cedar Rapids and follow your passion up to the Northwoods. And so that must have been, you know, pretty interesting in terms of like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm making a living. Let me ask you this, though. Were there any moments where you were like Jean Valjean and Les Mis, where you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this life I'm living. Like, why did I leave this life of stability of Cedar Rapids? Did you ever have any of those moments where you're like, oh, my God, I, sh- I, I, I shouldn't have done it. I'm cold. I'm hungry. I'm lonely. I'm away from my family. I shouldn't have done it. Well, you know, I felt um, that I that I missed my friends and my family, but I never felt like it was a a bad decision or the wrong decision, which is really yeah. comforting um, yeah, to know. Exactly. Well, what I love too, and so so you do the the dog sledding thing, but then it eventually involved evolved, should I say, into sort of a very interesting sort of business. So, how did this take me to from dog sledding to the Ely Outfitting Company? Which, for those of you who are going to go to the Northwoods, check this out. It's a well resourced, well run company up in in Ely. So, how did you make that transition from dog sledding to actually owning your own business? Well, snow melts and uh ice melts it It does it does even in far northern minnesota it melts Uh, and then we're not dog sledding and so um we've got all these lakes that are just absolutely wonderful to explore by canoe and uh and to fish uh and it uh it's just a special thing to share all of that with people so and since I'd guided summer canoe trips, I just started guiding, um, guiding them again. And that became more full-time. Um, although at, at the very beginning, I, I was actually doing some, uh, some part-time contract legal work, temporary work. And so, so I would actually drive down to Minneapolis and do what uh, litigation lawyers will fully appreciate as like the bane of your existence uh, <laughs> document reviews. If you can imagine oh eight hours a day, document reviews, looking for things like privilege and, and stuff like that. And, um, and I did some other temporary work, legal work in the cities after I moved North um, wanting to keep, you know, the edge sharp, so to speak, because I still didn't know that I was really transitioning away from the the full-time practice of of law in a traditional sense for for the the long haul um i was still and i love that i absolutely love that that you had mentioned that because i think that one of the narratives we so often see with people that are doing conventional careers is a lot of times some of them just leave the career and then try to become a rock star or a playwright or whatever but the more common path is to still sort of be practical and keep their toe in that water. And, and I, I actually encourage people to do that, um, that it's not necessarily either or because, you know, who knows? You, you could have had a negative experience with your dog sledding or whatever. Or you could have been hurt, for example, where you couldn't have done the more physical work and you maybe needed to go back to the practice of law. So I've seen that for a lot of people that are doing those interesting creative careers. They don't necessarily instantly leave the convention they they still keep their you were trying to say hey i'll keep my options open and still be yeah, and i and i still keep my law license current and do my continuing ed and <clears throat> things like that so i i think of it as my 
uh, as my backup plan still, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But so you're doing document review, Ooh, and then grudgery. you eventually this event this evolves into yeah, and that must have been sort of like a, a slap of cold water <laughs> when you're, you know, you're living this beautiful life, and then all of a sudden you're going back to document mm-hmm. review, and you're like, hell with law. So, you, so you get to do this boundary waters business. So, sort of take me through how you ended up getting into that. Well, I just started guiding. It was a kind of a one man show, and my friends in law school remember I was actually building a cedar strip wooden canoe throughout law school. Most of uh, all, uh, all three years, I think um, I was working on, on that in my downtime, and uh, um, so I, I brought that canoe north, and I started with one hand built canoe that I was using to guide, guide canoe trips in the boundary waters. And wow. it, it grew, I got busy, I worked for other businesses and then um, kind of on a contract basis and then started my own business. And then that grew and I had to start hiring other guides and then that grew and people wanted to, to do self-guided canoe trips and just be outfitted um, with all the canoes and camping equipment and trail food to do it themselves. And so it expanded to that. And then it ended up growing to be, um, you know, in, in leased space on the main drag of, of town and then ended up being in, you know, owned space in downtown Ely. And, and now we're, uh, you know, really, um, a busy outfitter with uh, a really amazing staff of really talented outdoors professionals who help introduce people from all over the world to the little old Ely and what's so special about the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. So, Well, and, and what I love about this too is that, you know, so often um, we think about, uh, you know, following our passion or purpose as a selfish endeavor. I mean, I'm not saying I'm just saying, I think that critique is lodged. Like, but I, as I think when you can get one of those businesses where you're not only following your passion, you're bringing joy, you're bringing health, you're bringing peace, you're bringing restoration, you're bringing family bonding. Like, do you know that? I, I mean, you're, there's probably some, you know, people that are disabled that maybe are doing a trip or maybe there's some inner city youth that don't have exposure to some of these areas. Like you are doing so many different things. And, you know, I think a lot of times when people think about like what they need, they're, yes, we need money. Like I need, people don't, you know, don't really pay me to do my podcast yet. So I have to do, I have to, <laughs> I have to, I have to eat. We do have to be practical, but, but. But but what do we need? We also need fresh air. We need relaxation. We need out, we need to be outside. We need vitamin D. We need to be. I'm really tripping on all this ancestral living, being outdoors stuff. And I think we're very narrow in terms of what we need. And so you're following your passion and you're bringing joy to other people. And that's why I was just really inspired when you when we met in Grand Marais that you're doing that. So um, sort of connecting it, and we'll sort of wrap things up. Connecting it back to your experience at Luther College. Let me give a, a shout out to Luther College. Uh, we don't, we did not know each other that well, but I think one of the things that really makes Luther a magical place is its sense of community and it's a sense of mission and its sense of purpose that even though we didn't know each other that well, we, we both graduated and we both had that sort of mission from having been part of that institution. Um, so, so do you think that that sense of wonder that was created there 
did that directly translate into your business um, in terms of what you're able to do in terms of being a successful outfitter up in, in Northwoods? Oh, you know, absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's about, you know, understanding different perspectives and taking a bigger worldview rather than a smaller worldview and, and just understanding the value of sort of moving forward and uh, thinking uh, um, and being thoughtful about the direction you're going, whether that's in your personal life or your professional life and, uh, and, and valuing, you know, being a lifelong learner and moving forward. So all sorts of good lessons you get out of a liberal arts yeah, well, education. You, you do. And, and I think ultimately, you know, one of the ironies and, you know, one of my big uh, favorite authors is Seth Godin, is there are a lot of people doing super, and by the way, I have nothing against practical professions. Like we all need them. We need a, lawyers. We need, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I'm a practical profession. So I'm not impugning them. But I think as computer technology becomes more and more advanced, uh, the irony of that is, is the quote unquote hard skills accounting, uh, you know, certain forms of even, even law, I think in terms of outsourcing these sorts of things, the more and more we get automated, the more and more we're left with our stories, our sense of connection to other people and our people skills. And what I think you really bring to the, you have a really radiant smile. You're a very community oriented person. And I'm sure one of the ways that business grew was you could operate in a network of well-being with your kindred spirits up there. And I'm sure that really attracted people to you in terms of wanting to be part of what you were bringing. Do you, have you gotten that feedback in terms of people really liking to work with you? And was that sort of essential to... Well, it's pretty work? special being the fun business. I mean, there aren't many jobs where you get to show up every day and everybody who's who's in front of you is is there because they want to have fun, uh, which is a very different yeah. thing than, say, if you're in litigation and, and everybody's sort of arguing all the time. And, uh, you know, it just feel... It's always felt really good to be in the fun business and understand that that people I'm connecting with have all sorts of life-changing experiences as they, as they travel on either these canoe trips or, or dog sled trips. So a couple different things. Um, you talked about my side of the mountain as a book recommendation. Any other books <laughs> that you to pick on the spot, any other books that you have, or you can do a movie if you don't have a book, that's okay. Cause I know you're a busy guy, but one one interesting either read or movie you encourage our listeners to listen to, and then I'll ask my my sure. So um, Sig Olson is an author from Ely, and uh, you know one of my real um, sort of mentors. He he wrote uh, many books uh, about this region and conservation, and uh, he wrote um, one of those is called Reflections from the North Country. You don't have to have ever been to the North Country or even care about it that much, frankly, to, to get a lot out of it um, as he kind of thinks through concepts that, that, uh, that he's thought through um, while connecting with the Northwoods. I love it. That's perfect. And I have a wonderful daughter. I think if I had another boy, if I had a boy, I think I'd name him. I would have named him Sigurd, but I would call him Sigurd. <laughs> So with, with, with a guy, with, my middle name is Oli. I'm serious. So I, it's sort of embarrassing. I've always you know, thought like Rockney was very, a very you know. impressive name, by the way. Well, but when you double it, 
but see, my mom, see, here's the deal, listeners of the Rockney cast. People always ask me, like, how do you get the name Rockney? Like, with Friends of Newton. So my, my sister is Jennifer. My brother's Marty. My sister's Susie. All very conventional names. There's something about the fourth one that <laughs> your parents are like, oh, what the hell? I, I'm going to name him Rockney Ole. I, 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 you know, as if Rockney's not weird enough, let's just double down. But, I, you know, one of the things is that that basically ensured that I would never be a John right. Smith. <laughs> so I think that sort of hardwired into me a little bit of uh, a little bit of rebellion. Um, but in any event, Jason, I know you're a busy guy and I so appreciate you um, being my first uh, guest. Well, I feel very privileged so, um, to be your uh, oh, guest you number go. one. That's outstanding. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Perfect. Well, what's next? And then we'll sort of wrap everything up. What's next for you in terms of the business? I suppose you're getting ready for the summer. And uh, what, what what's next for Wow. And if they want to yeah, them, so uh, we have a, a great website. It's EliOutfittingCompany.com. And if you just want to look at pretty pictures, you can go there and click on photos. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Boundary Waters, uh, there's tons of information about that there. If you're thinking about, hey, maybe trying something new outdoors uh, during a pandemic, which is, you know, the safest place to be, uh, we can uh, get you all the info you need to pull together a trip um canoeing the boundary waters um, either self-guided or professionally guided book yes early, right? it's it's amazing book <laughs> early because you, particularly yeah. during a pandemic it's a very very popular uh popular place and you know this uh the business perspective we have is a little bit unique uh we consider ourselves a, a progressive uh, modern outfitter uh and we're really good at helping people from all different backgrounds and all different experience levels have really life-changing experiences and in the boundary waters. So we're happy to help everybody. So I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Jason's such a great guy. We're going to be doing more interviews on the Rockney cast up next for black history month. We're going to be interviewing Levy Lee Simon about his screenplay on the life and times of Toussaint Louverture the founding father of Haiti, about his role in the revolution and the uh, impact that Haiti has had on the Americas. It's going to be a great episode. You're going to be really excited about it. Um, So we're going to be doing a lot more interviews in the Rockney cast, and I hope you're going to enjoy this sort of new series that we're going to do for Black History Month on Toussaint Louverture. Stay tuned. That should be coming up shortly. So thank you so much for tuning into the Rockney cast. So until next time, I'll see you again on the Rockney cast.